Okay, take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 1, please. Hebrews chapter 1. Have you ever met somebody who always had to one-up you? You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you had something, they had the better version, the better model. If you got something, they got the nicer one, right, no matter what. If you did something, they did something better, more, it's more exciting. If you caught a six-pound bass, they told you about the time they caught an eight-pound bass. Right? You know, most of you fishermen are, are that kind of people. You are those people. You're sitting here before me. They always have to one-up. They always have to have something better. We had a friend. I won't tell you the name because some of you know him uh, or knew him. <laughs> and he had this a little bit about him, and he did this in front of Pastor Stone and I several times. And so Pastor Stone and I picked up on it. And then we wrote him on it. Like we said, oh, we got this, but I'm sure yours is better. Like I'm, I'm sure you had something way nicer than I. Like, and so he's like, oh, guys, cut it out, cut it out. So we kind of teased him to the point that he, he didn't do it to us anymore. He made it to somebody else, but he kind of got the message after that. The guy who has something better than you, well, in a good way, that's kind of the book of Hebrews. <laughs> the book of Hebrews is about a better the, a key word in the book of Hebrews is better, and it's talking about things that are better than the old way. And we're going to talk about the book of Hebrews here for the next several Sundays on our afternoon session. Great themes in the book of Hebrews, all right? We're going to look at these uh, highlights. We're not going to go verse by verse by verse. We're going to go uh, highlight to highlight to highlight. So hit some mountaintops in the book of Hebrews, kind of give you an idea of the whole book. Uh, we actually started this series last Sunday, unbeknownst to you. We had a message I preached last Sunday about great faith. All right, so we're talking about great things in the book of Hebrews, and the first thing we talked about last week was great faith from Hebrews chapter 11. And I just wanted to preach that on Sunday morning, so I skipped ahead of that. But we're going to kind of go now start our series, Great Themes, these highlights in the book of Hebrews. So let's have a word of prayer. We'll begin in Hebrews chapter 1. Lord, we're grateful for our time together. We're thankful for the Word of God and for the book of Hebrews. I pray you'll help us now over the next several weeks to understand and apply the truth that you've given to us. There's a reason why we have the book of Hebrews. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would understand that even today we'd be challenged uh, and encouraged to uh, digest and apply what you have for us in your word. Thank you for letting us be together today, uh, that your Holy Spirit is with us. I pray your Holy Spirit would do a work, and thank you for the challenge we've heard already on prayer. May we uh, just uh, think about that as we go uh, to our homes and to this week, the, the, the power of prayer in our life. Lord, I pray we be a praying church and a praying person. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start here in, in uh, just a central truth, a central truth here from our book of Hebrews. We begin in chapter 1. We'll begin in verse number 1. So we'll read a few verses at the very beginning here to kind of get an idea of what's going on. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So basically saying like, in the past... God spoke at different times, different ways, through the prophets, and it was, uh, it's just different ways. Burning bush, a donkey that spoke, angels, dreams, all kinds, in diverse times, different ways, different times, spoke through us, to us, to the fathers, our, our relatives, by the prophets. Verse number two, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. 
whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus is the message for us. Jesus is the culmination of all those messages that were brought to the prophets, to the people, and now Jesus has come, Jesus has lived, God has spoken to us, he's revealed himself to us through Jesus. Verse number four, verse number three, I'm sorry. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is our Jesus in a couple of just phrases and verses. I won't go into detail, but he came to earth, he purged our sin, and, and the author saying right now he's seated by the throne of heaven. He's still alive today. This is our Jesus. This is how God has revealed himself to us. So Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, was written to the... Hebrews, all right? I just don't understand. So it's to the nation of Israel. Uh, so that's why they call it the book of Hebrews. It's not a specific church necessarily that we know about, but to the uh, mostly at this time, the believers were Hebrews, were Jewish people. And so this is a message uh, to God's people. And God, he's saying God's revealed himself to us now through Jesus. Uh, we, had a, we had God become man and walk and talk and live. And for three and a half years, we observed him. And we have, now we have, we have the gospels, a story of his a account of his life. And we have Jesus that God showed us how to live among man. And so just a couple of things under this idea of a central truth. We see the idea of this book is Jesus is better. Jesus is better. One author put it this way. The writer of the book of Hebrews aims to convince his Jewish audience of one paramount truth. Jesus is better. He is better than angels. We see that in the book of Hebrews. Angels were a big part of Jewish history and messages to God's people in the past. In fact, before Jesus was born, angels announced his birth, right? And uh, angels were big, but way better than angels, we have Jesus. He's better than the prophets. The prophets were very respected, and, and they should be. They brought messages from God and told God, God's people about God's message. And so, But Jesus is better than the prophets we hear in the book of Hebrews. He's better than Moses. Very respected person in Jewish history, Moses. And he brought the law, uh, the, the commandments, and those things that we are to live by and they are to go by. He's better than Moses. His priesthood is better than Aaron's priesthood. His new covenant is better than the old covenant that they could never fulfill anyway. His blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats. In every way and at every turn, Jesus is better. That's the message of Hebrews. And we say amen to that, right? We look back at Jesus. Uh, the Old Testament was looking forward to Jesus, and there are a few precious people that got to live with Jesus. But we have now this message of God, God revealed to us in Jesus, and he's better. And as we talk about this central truth that Jesus is better, here's what I want you to understand, too. I think this is the idea in the heartbeat behind Hebrews. Better Savior means a better you. We're living in a, in a better situation than Old Testament laws and sacrifices. And, and imagine putting yourself back in that time that your responsibility once a year was to have a perfect lamb to take and sacrifice for your family and all these uh, things you had to do that you had to, to, to show you were following Jesus, following God and, and all these things, but we're better now. We have Jesus has revealed himself to us. And because of that, that inspires us and that 
that should uh, help us live out our Christianity. So if we just study the book of Hebrews and we learn doctrine, 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 but there's no practical application to doctrine, then we've missed the boat on Hebrews. And if we just start to talk about like, do this, do this, do this, do this, and we don't understand like the doctrinal part of Hebrews, we've missed the boat. Same with Romans. We're going through Romans on Wednesday night. There's a whole section of doctrinal and a whole section of practical, and those things go together. Better Savior means a better you. We had his example. He lived out what it's like to follow Almighty God among unsaved and uncaring people. How do you live for God in an unsaved workplace? It's a good question. But you know what Jesus did? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. You want to know how to live for God in an unsaved workplace? You know, live for God when you're the enemy? Live for God when you're kind of on the outs? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He, said, he showed us. He walked it. He put, he put flesh on as God and showed us how to do things. And so we can live. How do you love people that are unlovable? You're supposed to. How do you do that? Well, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how Jesus loved people who the rest of society would cast out. He loved the unlovely. And so we can read the example of Jesus, that we have a better thing. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, an account of how Jesus lived out, fleshed out, real following of God Almighty. What an example. We have his example to follow, and we have his power behind us. The New Testament talks about resurrection power. And even in these first few verses, we see Jesus purged our sins, and now he's seated at the right hand. He's alive. We, we serve a risen Savior. See, we have this power in us, this resurrection power to live and serve Jesus Christ. You don't have to do it. On, in fact, you can't do it on your own. If you try to, to, to do all that you're supposed to do on your own, you will fail. But if we can learn that in our relationship with the Savior, who's alive, we have power, resurrection power. It, it helps us become a better version of ourselves because we're more and more like Jesus Christ. This is not a self-helpy message that you can make yourself a better person. We're better because we're more like Jesus Christ. It's him living through us that makes us a better person. And so better Savior, better us, we can live for him. And so this is the central truth that we're going to look at through the book of Hebrews. We have all kinds of things we're going to talk about as we go along. But one more thing I want to talk about today as we, as we uh, just kind of introduce this idea. He's writing to an immature audience. An immature audience. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Turn over a few pages in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 5. begin in verse number 11. We'll pick up right there. It's kind of in the middle of the sentence, but it says, of whom? It's talking about Melchizedek, a high priest in the Old Testament. We won't talk much about it right now just because there is some things there uh, that I can't explain right now. But of whom? He said, of Melchizedek, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So I want to tell you more stuff about Melchizedek, but I'm going to stop right there because you're dull of hearing. It's pretty straightforward. I'd like to teach you something, but you can't get it. You're not ready for it. Verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, 
you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And it becomes such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Again, pretty bold and blunt statement. Verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This is who he's writing to. Hebrews that are immature. It's an immature audience. So here's, here's what I want you to do today. As, as difficult as this is, I want you to take the word of God as a mirror and look into it today and ask yourself, do I fit the qualities and characteristics of this immature audience? That's difficult to do. Oh, I've been saved for a long time. I, I can't be immature. I got saved when I was 11. I'm 53 years old now. I can't be immature. Well, you can, and I can. And I can exhibit the qualities of an immature audience that we see here. And I, I want you to look in the mirror. I, I can't tell you, but I've, I've been examining myself in light of these qualities for the last few days. And it's not really that exciting, to be honest with you. Number one, they were dull of hearing. All right? Dull of hearing. He wanted to teach them more about Melchizedek. I can't. You're dull of hearing. What does that mean? Well, the word dull there has the idea of being sluggish or lazy. Sluggish or lazy. What does it look like to be a lazy hearer? These are the kind of questions we ask in our, in our small group, right? What does it look like to be a lazy? What's the opposite of a lazy hearer or a dull hearer? A sharp hearer. An active hearer. Someone who's into it, looking for it, desiring it, wanting it. That's what a, and he's, he's saying, I wish I could teach you more, but you're dull of hearing. Let me ask you, how active of a hearer, how sharp of a hearer were you this morning as Pastor Yeomans gave the message? Do we come in and just get in the routine, or do we come in and maybe have a mind on other things? Uh, you know, do we, do we try to take notes so we can get something? We, we provide uh, handouts at times. And again, that's not, you can use a handout. Maybe it doesn't help you to use a handout. Everybody learns differently. I get that. Everybody learns differently. But are you actively searching the scriptures as the preacher is preaching? Are you actively reading your Bible with the desire to get something from it? Are you actively involved in that? I just, I mean, obviously New Year's, new things, and you, are you doing something in your devotions? Are you doing something for a reading plan? Do you have some kind of, or are you a lazy, have you not got lazy? Have you gotten lazy in your hearing, in your learning? It's easy to do. In fact, I would suggest the longer you've been saved, the easier it is to get lazy. I worked for a short period of time. I worked at the church for a long time. And then for a little bit, I had to go get a job at the factory. We built this auditorium. I went out and got a job at the factory uh, after this auditorium was finished. And I remember the first little bit, I was like trying to learn this new job. You remember learning new jobs? Like, you know, this is such an easy job, but I, I, everything was new. I've never worked in a machine shop before. So I'm putting this gear in there and pressing this button and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I was, I was on it. Like I was very attentive to what I was doing because I didn't want to mess up and I was trying to learn. But it didn't take very long. I was like, I was like just do it second nature. Just, you know, hit the buttons and you can do whatever else you want. And I, you know, I, like I remember my, I dropped my girls off at Tim Hortons for the first time. They come home the first day. It's overwhelming. And then about, you know, Three weeks into it, two weeks into it, like, this is nothing. Like, they're pouring coffee, talking to the headset, cracking jokes. They're doing all, all this stuff at one time. Because as you get into it, you kind of lose 
a little bit of focus, right? He can still do the job. He can still get by, but you're not like on it. Maybe we get that way with our hearing and our listening as we're trying to learn God's word or God's trying to speak to us. And, and the writer here says, I want to tell you more, but I can't because you're lazy. You're not sharp. You're dull in your hearing. Number two, they needed instruction. They needed instruction. The Bible says they should be ready to teach, but they had to go back and learn the basics. Let me ask you this question. Are you ready to teach? Oh, I'm not called to teach. I'm not asking you to teach a class. Are you ready? Are you able to teach a person? I think you ought to be able to. I think I can prove that biblically. I think there ought to be... Uh, we have a, a book that we use for discipleship. That when someone's new and want to learn the basics, we would sit down with them one-on-one usually or two-on-two. You know, couples do it together. What if Pastor Jones came to you and said, hey, we got this new person in our church. You know them. I think you have a good connection with them. Would you be willing to sit down and go through our discipleship book with, oh, I could never do that, Pastor. If that, that's your first initial thought, think about this. Is this not what they're saying? He said, for the time, you ought, you've been saved long enough and you know enough, you ought to be teaching and you're not. You have to go back. And, if you, I mean, I understand. I'm not saying you need to get up behind the pulpit. I'm not saying you need to teach a class, but could you, can you pour your Christianity into somebody else? For the time, you ought to be teachers, but you have need that someone teach you. If that's you today, acknowledge it and understand we would love to teach you how to teach somebody do the discipleship program. It's okay. But you got, you got to acknowledge it. Hey, I've been dull of hearing. I haven't really been active and really in, you know, all in on this hearing and learning and growing. And, and I, I know I ought to be able to be a teacher, but I really don't feel qualified yet because I feel like I need to learn some of the basics myself again. That's okay. Acknowledge it and let's work on it. Because for the time, you ought to be teachers, but you have need to be taught again. They needed instruction. They lacked growth. They still needed milk and couldn't handle the meat. So I wanted to give you more stuff, and I'm just going back to the same. If you've taught kids, we have some teachers here. If you taught kids, sometimes you know in teaching, you feel like, I just taught you this the other day. Like, I'm going backwards. You're not learning. You're not grasping. You're not getting. That's what he's saying to this group. You're not ready for the meat. You have to go back to the milk. And I think this ties into it. They lack discernment. Because I, I think... Understanding meat and milk is not necessarily like, you know, the deeper thing. So I think it is some of that. Like he's talking about Melchizedek here, which is not an easy topic to talk about. So I'm talking about Melchizedek in context. So there is some more of the depth of the Bible, yes. But then he says this, you can't discern good and evil. See, as you have, you have your senses exercised to discern good and evil. That's a sign of a, a, a mature believer is knowing right from wrong based upon the word of God. Can you take God's word and apply it in how you live your life tomorrow? How you go to school tomorrow, what you do at school tomorrow, kids, ought to be run through the fact that you're a Christian, you know the Bible, and what Jesus wants you to do. See, that's mature. You can be a mature believer at 11 years old because you can take the Bible and learn how to exercise it and live it out. So they were dull of hearing, they needed more instruction, they lacked growth. They lack discernment. Could you hold the mirror up to yourself today and say, let me ask myself. I don't do it now. I'll do it at home. Take this verse out. Read it through again. Say, 
am I sharp in my hearing? Like when I come, when I'm opening my Bible for devotions, am I into it? Am I on it? Am I trying to learn? Am I coming to church? No, maybe I'm taking notes. Maybe I'm, maybe I have a plan of thinking about it afterwards. How am I going to change how I pray based upon the message I heard this morning? Active learning. Do you need instruction? Are you ready to teach someone one-on-one and disciple someone one-on-one and pour your life into somebody else? Or do you say, no, I need to be taught that. That's okay. Let's do that. Let's get, on. Let's get moving. Let's get growing. They lack the growth. They lack discernment. So this week, I journeyed back into the dark recesses of church storage. It's a scary, scary place to go. We have all kinds of storage, nooks and crannies. So I found something that I had back there. This comes from around, I say, circa 2018. Okay, so this was in our class. So uh, Jackie and I, in around 2018, 2019, we were teaching the grade three, four class on Wednesday nights. So we bring in the kids, and we had some of our kids. In fact, there's somebody who's on this who's here today. All right? And so we are teaching about growth, and so we took every child in our class, and we put a line on their height at that age and stage. So this is from 2018. So the one person that's in this room today that's on is right here, and that's Peyton, Peyton Simmons. All right? Peyton Simmons is not here anymore in her height, right? And if she was, we would be concerned. Am I right? She's not supposed to be here anymore. None of, none of these people, I hope none of them. Riley was quite tall at the time, and I, don't, I haven't seen Riley for a long time. Some of our, our, our team workers will know some of these names on here. We have, uh, I saw on here, we have uh, Brianna and Sherelle are on here. They come uh, right down here. This is Aurora. <laughs> the lowest one on the list, Aurora. She comes, it still comes uh, every Wednesday, very faithful, very. So we, uh, uh, we have uh, DeMarco and Davion. Some of you guys know them, all right? So, so these are, and there's a number of kids here that used to come that don't come anymore. Uh, Tony's on here, which would be uh, Josh. Josh's br- older brother is on here. Uh, so anyway, so these are some of the kids. But we would be, uh, we would be worried if they were the same height. From three, four, and now it's what, five, four or five years later? Something's got to change. Something's got to grow. What if we could do this spiritually? What if we could mark where we were spiritually and, say like, and visualize that? Like, say, okay, 2024 20, started and we marked everybody's height on the, uh, on the board and we know exactly where you were spiritually. I'm a little bit dull of hearing. I'm, I'm not ready to teach yet. I can't really discern good and evil, but I want to. I want to grow. And we can mark it there. What would 2025 look like then? Like, we can't do that. So easy physically. Like, it's so, so easy. We can't do it spiritually. But I would suggest that if there's no spiritual growth, we should be just as concerned as if there's no physical growth. Would you agree with that? And so the challenge here is, and I think this is the heart of Hebrews. Let me sum it all up. Because we have Jesus, because he's better than Old Testament sacrifices, and he's better than Moses, and he's better than angels, and we have Jesus, and we not only have Jesus as an example, we have Jesus in our heart, we have the Holy Spirit power, we have all these things, and we have Jesus, and we're going to talk about this, the great high priest, talk about great themes in Hebrews, we have the great high priest who makes intercession for us because of that, we should expect growth, maturity, and progress. Better Jesus, better you. That's the theme. And so I hope as we look in Hebrews, 
we'll look to it for a place of marking our spiritual growth and seeing progression. And I think I'm excited about some of the things, even like we talked about last week, your faith. Will your faith grow? What's your step of faith? What's your by faith? Mike Holland, fill in the blank. By faith, put your name in there. Fill in the blank. What does God want you to do by faith? Because faith is not something that you get and keep. It's something that grows. And you, as you grow in faith, God uses you and God calls you and God moves you and God keeps you and God does all those things by faith. I hope it will be an encouraging study for you as we look at how Jesus in us allows us to grow and mature and be used of God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I hope and pray that you will take the word of God as a mirror today. Open it to Hebrews chapter 5. Look deep into the words. How sharp of a hearer are you? Or how... How can you sharpen your hearing? How can you grow in your hearing? Can you discern good and evil? Are you ready to pour your heart and your Christianity into somebody else as a teacher? Or are you still at the point where we got to go back and do some basics? Again, don't let that be discouraging to you. Let that be a challenge to you better Jesus, better than everything. His example, his power, his, his presence with us allows us to live out a growing, maturing Christian walk. I hope it be a challenge to you. Heavenly Father, I ask in the quietness of this moment that you would speak to our hearts about our walk, our growth. And may we look at 2024 as an opportunity to glorify you and please you in all that we do. Just like Jesus came to bring glory to you, uh, even the verses we read, he was the fullness of our, the glory, the, the glory of God living on earth. May uh, your glory shine through us this week. Help us as we um, digest this part of the Bible and think about it. Lord, please use it in our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen.